So Laura sent me, Sasha's mum, sent me a message and, and some photographs of, of, of him on his, on his first birthday. And honestly, I, I couldn't believe how hard those photographs hit home because he looked so much like me when I was that age. I even looked out some photographs when I was like just over one years old and it was like the same person. <laughs> it was so freaky, it was unbelievable. And I just, I still remember that moment where it was just, it was, it really hit me like a train, but in a very positive way. And I, I just realized that in that moment, I had to be involved in the kid's life. You know, I couldn't, I, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I didn't do it, but I also felt such a strong connection to just a photograph that I was like, no, no, this is something I have to be involved in. Hello, and welcome to Behind the Mother Mask. I'm your host, Annie Breen, registered nutritional therapist, master NLP practitioner, and transformational coach for exhausted mums who don't feel enough. My mission with this podcast is to lead with vulnerability by starting to lift the psychological mask you wear each day that protects you and others from the stuff that's hard to explain and talk about. It's about sharing from the middle, not just the open wounds or the healed scabs, but the messy middle. Let's go for honesty over perfection, because I believe when you transform yourself, you automatically transform your relationships and parenting by passing down wisdom, not wounds. So if you're up for that, you definitely don't need to do it alone. I'm here to lead you on what could be the greatest adventure of your life, behind the mother mask, back home to yourself. Hello, hello, and welcome back to episode 15 of Behind the Mother Mask. So this week is exciting, as well as having another amazing guest. I can't wait to share this conversation. I've also just found out that we have reached a thousand downloads um, with the podcast so far. And I say we because obviously I absolutely could not do this alone and I wouldn't want to. Yes, there is an inner rock star in me dying to get out. But the reason that I do this podcast is not to reach the top of the pops in the podcast charts, although that might be nice. It's to help you. And to think that that's not a statistic to me, that is a thousand mums who have potentially change their life for the better through listening to this podcast. And you know what? Even if it's just to validate your situation, to make you realize that you're not alone, that other mums are going through this, maybe it's offered you a new perspective or a new way of doing things and showing up for yourself and as a parent. That is amazing. And just think about the ripple effect of that. That is incredible. So thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you giving your time and tuning in. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. Please do keep listening. Please do keep sharing. And I love to hear from you. So let me know. Let me know what um, resonates the most. And if you feel um, compelled to leave a review, that is also amazing. So just thank you, thank you, thank you. So this week, 
I'm having a conversation that I've not had before. <laughs> Don't know if you can tell if I'm a little bit out of my comfort zone, but I always come with to these conversations that are slightly new and um, with curiosity and complete interest. And luckily I know the person, so I felt very comfortable. So this week I'm talking to Stephen Burns and Steve is a coach. He is a trainer and he is also a radio presenter, which is super exciting. And he teaches people psychological techniques to help them overcome the kind of blocks and barriers that might really stop them from living to their true potential. And he helps people improve their mental well-being and getting more out of life. He also specializes in NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, um, which is how we know each other. So I did the practitioner course with the Scottish Centre of NLP, I think two years ago now. And Steve, along with Brian Costello, coach and other lead facilitators on that. And honestly, if you want to explore this further, that is a life-changing course. And I got to know Steve through this process. I've since done the master prac and then got back and helped out on the recent master prac. And what I can say about him is he is so genuine in terms of wanting to help people and make a difference. I know that he is completely fascinated by the mind and he's so dedicated to helping people understand and harness their mind's true power. And he's also an incredible storyteller. He's really, really good at making what can feel quite complex situations really simple and reframing and offering a new perspective. So even if his story isn't necessarily your story or your same experience, I know that you will get so much out of this conversation in terms of just wanting to improve your mental health, to have better um, emotional well-being and actually the confidence and clarity to set forward in life and do some of the things that you you really want to do that maybe you've been holding back um it's living a life on your terms more fulfilled so please do check out his youtube channel mind school i put all the details in the um show notes because his videos his tips his advice his techniques that he shares are really really powerful um so i know that you'll get a lot from them but The main kind of theme of our conversation this week is parenting the unconventional way. So even though Steve is an amazing storyteller, rarely have I heard him talk about his fatherhood journey. Um, But just through getting to know him and chatting to him, I found out a little bit and I thought, wow, that is a really unique situation. But also how he has approached it with his son's mum is so graceful and respectful and admirable, I can't say that word, that I really wanted him to come on and share his story. So we talk about Steve's very open and honest. He talks about how he found out that the mum of his son was pregnant after they had actually separated. So they weren't in a relationship anymore. And not only did he find out that she was pregnant, she was actually going to be moving abroad. And how it was a year on that he saw the photo of his son. And from that moment, he just knew that he had to be involved. There was just no other 
option, the bond. It was hard to put words to. And from there on in, he talks about how he navigated that, how he navigated that personally, how he navigated it with um, the mum of his son and how they were able to really come together and sing from the same hymn sheet and do what's best for their son and themselves. He talks about how his previous self-development and self-awareness journey with NLP has helped him access the resources to do that. But also what I find quite interesting is how he didn't tell his parents for two years and actually what was going on in his thought processes behind that and how that actually panned out. We talk about what he's learned about himself through fatherhood and his beliefs and values, especially his values that he wants to pass on to his son. We also talk about one of my favorite things that I've ever done in the whole wide world um, in the NLP realm, um, <laughs> parental timeline reimprinting, because it was actually Steve that led me through this technique on my master prep course. And it's pretty much changed my life. And it is the gift that keeps on giving. And what we're talking about really is um, how we can impact or change our relationship with the past specifically around generational patterns and what we inherited from our parents and how we can um, change our relationship moving forward but also take the qualities and resources and gifts and give them to our parents that maybe they were lacking it's just an incredible technique to experience and there was no other person that I want to talk about it with because Steve actually led me through it. So I think that this will be really helpful just to understand this concept. But also, if you are parenting from a slightly less conventional way, Steve has some amazing words of wisdom and advice in terms of um leaving your ego at the door, reframing the situation and not being ashamed. Don't be ashamed to do things differently. And from that, we talk about the mask of perfection and fear and how ultimately we all worry what other people think and how we can start to overcome that. It is an amazing conversation. Please do pass it on to the dads out there. You know, we talk about ourselves as mums suffering in silence. I know that dads suffer equally, if not more, because of the stigma around um, asking for help in these kind of male roles and parental roles. So without further ado, let's get into episode 15. So, Hi, Steve. How are you? Very well. Monday morning. How are you? Yeah, well, Monday morning, exactly. Bonnie's off school today, so I'm kind of living life by the seat of my pants. But someone told me that that, is, that works for me, apparently. So <laughs> I think it's a good thing, you know. You don't want to be too structured at the end of the day. Leave, make, make, make things organic. Mm. It's so interesting you said that because it's quite easy, especially with this podcast and just reflecting over my journey. In fact, I had an email to say I had a thousand downloads this morning. So that is good. That feels good. A thousand people. But you can get quite scripted and you can overthink things. And I think, you know, just actually speaking from a really honest place and not trying to get things too perfect, which I think we might touch on perfectionism, is really quite liberating in a way. <laughs> No, I think it is. I mean, I remember years ago I did a, 
a class. I always tell people I did a, a class on adult acting, but then I, I realised that sounds a little bit dodgy. But it was it was basically a, a class for acting for adults. And uh, one of the things we did was uh, some improvisation techniques. And I, I was utterly terrified before I was doing these things because I was always very scripted as a person. Anytime I did a presentation, I'd always plan it out to the nth degree. Uh, but then when I actually did a bit of improvisation, it was just so freeing because you just kind of let it go and, and you didn't really know what was happening next, but but you were cool with it anyway. So so that's kind of what I'm expecting today, Annie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just for those listening, um, Steve, I met you some years back, a couple of years back, because you were the coach and main trainer and lead trainer with Brian Costello on the NLP practitioner course. So that is how I met you. And I recently had the pleasure of um, helping out on the master practitioner course. And you have a really interesting and I would say unconventional, which is in the title, story in terms of your fatherhood journey. But also, I would hate to waste and deprive the listeners of your incredible skills and experience in terms of your personal development journey and what you do with NLP and helping people really understand and run their own mind. And I think that you have so much to offer. So I really want to do that thing and zoom the camera out as well. So we'll go into your story, but I want to find out a little bit more because I know that your approach and your expertise will be so valuable to people. So let's just jump in. Who is Stephen Burns? <laughs> I don't know if the world's ready for that. I certainly <laughs> don't think I'm ready for that, for Stephen Burns Unpacked. But, uh, yeah, let's... Let's see what's in there, shall we? Let's go. Let's go all Freudian. Um, yeah. So, so I'm a, a coach and a trainer. Uh, I do a lot of things, as you, as you mentioned there, but but predominantly, I teach people psychological techniques to help them uh, just get more of what they want from life. To help them overcome, you know, psychological blocks and barriers that they may be facing in life, and just to just to help them be happier, be healthier, and just just more fulfilled as as individuals. Um, so one of the things you mentioned there is as I specialize in a thing called NLP, that's Neuro Linguistic Programming. Uh, we obviously know what that is, Annie, but quite well, but maybe the listeners maybe don't quite know what that is. But, but basically, it's kind of like a almost like a kind of modern-day jazzed-up version of hypnosis and hypnotherapy uh, with a healthy dose of psychology thrown in for good measure. And it's amazing when it comes to you know overcoming any limitations or psychological blocks that we may experience from time to time. And I've actually been doing that now for, I think it's about 23 years, which makes me feel wow. incredibly old. But I did start when I was, when I was very, very young. And the reason why I got involved in it was because when I was in my teens and early 20s, I had a real uh, a crisis of confidence. You know, I had a lot of self-doubt going on, a lot, a lot of angst and anxiety, as I know many teens and many people in their, their early 20s experience. And I was really struggling with it. And, and at the time, I was thinking about going down the sort of traditional psychotherapy route. By that time, there was still a massive stigma, especially for men, you know, going down that kind of route. And it just didn't feel right for me at all. So I decided to, to explore some more alternative routes, things like meditation, uh, self-hypnosis, uh, which is a little bit out there for some people. And of course, the, the thing we mentioned a moment ago, uh, neuro-linguistic programming. 
And I'm very glad I did because pretty soon, you know, you know, practicing the techniques and trying things out, I started to notice some some very big uh, positive shifts in in the way that I was thinking and in the way that I was feeling. The big the big turning point for me was when I read a book called the, the Hypnotic World of Paul McKenna. I'm sure people have heard of Paul McKenna before. He's he's a very famous hypnotist. So this is a very old book. It was at a time when when Paul McKenna had hair. He's he's now he's now you know bald as a as a bald eagle, so to speak. And uh, and you know in the, in the book there was a technique he, he talked about that you could literally almost like reprogram your mind. Uh, to be more confident. So the way he described it was you could go through this process and it, and it allowed you to, it's almost like take a feeling of confidence and place it into a particular area of your life. So for me, I did it with social confidence. That was one of the big things I was really, really struggling with. I was I was quite socially anxious. I, I was very, very shy. And I had this thing coming up at the weekend where I was going out for a few drinks with my friends. And so I did this technique over and over again, religiously for like five or six days. And when I went out to, to go for a few drinks with my friends, I couldn't believe the difference. You know, I just felt there was a, a different energy about me. I was just so much more confident. My whole physiology changed. I was looking at people in the eye and I just felt absolutely fantastic. And I remember my friend saying to me, you know, it's like you became someone else. But that, that's not how it felt for me. It was like I was I was becoming more me. So I remember after that, I was like, that, that, this is amazing stuff. This stuff really does work. And I've been hooked ever since. So that, that's like 23 years ago. Uh, I'm still using that technique along with some of the other ones within NLP. And as you mentioned, uh, I coach it, I train it. Just have this huge passion now for, for human psychology and figuring out how we can, can basically live our best life. Uh, so yeah, that's a, a wee bit of an unabridged or a abridged version, should I say? I'm, I'm not sure if I've got the right word there of uh, of, of my personal history and how, how I've got to this point. Yeah, and it's so interesting because I think sometimes when the problem feels so complicated and complex, and you almost feel consumed by it, you feel like the way out, the solution also needs to be complex. And I think what NLP and you have taught me is it doesn't always have to be that way. You know, I think we b believe, don't we, in NLP that there's no such thing as unresourceful people, just unresourceful states. And if we can access those states, we can change them. <laughs> we can shift them. Um, and I, I love Paul McKenna too. I actually met him um, earlier this year. <laughs> <laughs> were you um, where you where you starstruck? Did you, oh, well, did you honestly, ask for an autograph? I am a fangirl, Steve. So I'm like that with every um you just need to see my Instagram to see that. But I did have a picture with him, but he's obviously got his personal assistants to set up the picture so he looks fantastic, like with the lighting, and I looked terrible. It was a bad jumper choice, but um <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah so I love what you shared there and what is your like general do you have like an overall approach to life and I, I ask this because I find it so interesting that when people are stuck in like maybe unresourceful states and overwhelm and they feel like there's kind of no way out and they feel quite hopeless that um it's quite interesting to see them go on this journey that it changes their whole perspective and outlook on life when they change. Um, so do you have like a general kind of approach to life or maybe a bigger mission? It's a really good question. I think 
I think it, it goes sort of two ways. I think there's a sort of personal mission for my own sort of well-being, but there's also something that kind of goes outside of me as well. That sounds a little bit woo-woo, a little bit esoteric, but but for me, I think I, I think I think my own personal mission is really simple. I just want to to experience as much happiness, joy, and pleasure and fulfillment as I possibly can uh, in a healthy way, of course, because. You could be very joyful if you just take drugs for the rest of your life, but your, your rest of your life might not be that big if you if you choose to go down that path. But yeah, to find healthy ways to to just experience more pleasure, more fulfillment, more more joy from life. I mean, we only get one shot at the end of the day. Life yeah. is most definitely short. Now, being forty five years old, I'm I'm starting to really appreciate that. So we've got to make the most of it. And, you know, I, I would like to be as successful as I possibly can. But to be honest, that that isn't really that important to me. You know, success is to be happy at the end of the day, yeah. um, whatever shape, shape or form that comes in. I think in terms of a greater mission, I guess I don't, I'm, we mentioned this the other day when we had a chat. I'm not a huge fan of the word legacy, but you, you actually reframed it beautifully for me. But I find the word legacy tends to be a little bit egotistical. But um, but I think for me, one of the things I really would like to get across to people is that things like mindset training, so being able to run your own mind effectively, shouldn't be seen as some kind of like Jedi mind trick or something that you only get from a therapist or something that you have to go and become a spiritual Buddhist monk for 30 years to experience. Mindset training should be something that we all do on a day-to-day -day basis as an integral part of our lives. Uh, and I genuinely believe that if we can get that idea across to people, then so many of you know life's problems will be solved. So many of our mental health problems will be solved because people can understand how their mind works, how they can run it. So if they do encounter problems, then they can actually start to make some changes. So I think uh, for me, if I was to think of a greater mission that I'm part of, that, that's definitely it, to teach people that mindset techniques is not some sort of weird, woo-woo, esoteric thing. It should be an integral part of yeah. your life as a human being. I mean, you have your mind, your brain, every single second of every single day. So why are we not using it to, to the best of its, its capabilities? So I think that's most definitely a, a very kind of prime mission for me, even though I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the word legacy. Uh, if I was to leave a legacy, I think that would be it. And... I believe it should be taught in schools and it kind of comes on to your business, Mind School, um, which we'll talk about and I will share with the listeners in the show notes because you're right. We, you know, we have, so we have doctors, we have physiotherapists, we have places that we go, we have dentists, you know, to support certain parts of the body. But when it comes to the mind, it's almost, it has to be a problem. It has to be a pathology for us to then take that step. It's not necessarily something that we nurture in a preventable way. There is that stigma, like you touched on. Um, but I do think things are shifting now. And I think that people are investing in their um, emotional, mental health, their health, as I like to just call it, because I don't think you can separate it um, more. And definitely, I think people are speaking about it. Hence, you know, kind of what's behind the driving force of this podcast is being more open and honest and leading with vulnerability. So I think that's amazing. And I, I love your mission. And what a legacy to live, right? Because you are living it. You are so passionate. You love this stuff. Like listening to Steve is it's so easy like to listen to you. And I learned so much. And you're a very genuine 
person and this is coming from life experience I think it's just an example that anyone can harness the power of their mind anyone can step into their full potential and go and find more joy in life it doesn't have to be complex or unobtainable and what I'd really love to do because I don't know if this is something you've discussed before obviously I've done quite a bit of training with you so I've heard lots of different stories Steve from your past (laughs) and (laughs) relationships and things but I've not heard you talk about this so much, and this is what I'm really interested in. So I'd love to talk about your fatherhood story, because I know it's quite an unconventional one, but I think it will resonate with, I'd say, a lot of a lot of people, and especially the dads. So yeah, would you like to just share that journey? Yeah, no, sure. Yeah, I, I love the title, Unconventional Dad, by the way. It makes me sound really mysterious. I think I'm going to like get a T-shirt printed with that on it just to try and create a bit of mystique around about me. But yeah, anyway, so um, yeah, so just to give you a bit of context, one of the, the things that I uh, love doing in my kind of downtime is I do quite a lot of Latin dancing. So basically there's a couple of different types I do. So I do Cuban style salsa, but also a dance called bachata, which is a Dominican Republic, a dance from the Dominican Republic. And so I'm now 45, I've been doing it for about, you know, 14, 15 years. And, you know, when I was in my sort of, you know, early to mid thirties, uh, I met a girl on the sort of Latin dance scene. Uh, she was Dutch, but she, she was originally uh, from, from Italy, but she lived in Holland all of her life. And she was over to Glasgow doing a PhD. And we had a very brief relationship that didn't last too long. And then we decided to go our own separate ways. And then a few weeks after we uh, split up, she met me at one of the, the dance socials that, that go on every now and again in Glasgow. And she kind of pulled me aside and said, I've got some some big news for you. Uh, and I'm actually pregnant. And uh, she also then followed it up by saying that she was moving back to Holland because she had a job in Holland. She didn't have a job in, in, in Scotland. Uh, and basically, that was the way things were going to be. And I could be as involved as I wanted or I didn't have to be involved if, if I didn't want at all. So I have to be honest, at the time, I was I was pretty freaked out by it because it, it did come totally out of, out of the blue. And it really did take me a long time to get my head around it because I didn't really know the person that well because it was a very brief relationship. Um, I didn't really know what to make of the situation at all. So it took me the best part of a year to get my head around it. But we did keep in touch and we were exchanging messages. I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to lose contact. I just didn't quite know how to think about the situation and how to how to deal with it. And then about, I think it was around about a, a year, a year in. So it was a year after the birth. And uh, so Sasha, my son, he was, uh, it was, I think he was just over a year old at the time. And uh, so Laura sent me, uh, Sasha's mum, sent me a message and, and some photographs of, of, of him on his, on his first birthday. And honestly, I, I couldn't believe like the, the, how, how hard those photographs hit, hit home because he looked so much like me when I was that age. I even looked out some photographs when I was like just over one years old and it was like the same person. <laughs> it was so freaky. It was unbelievable. And I just, I still remember that moment where it was just, it was, it really hit me like a train, but in a very positive way. And I, I just realized in that moment, I had to be involved in the kid's life. You know, I couldn't, I, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I didn't do it, but I also felt such a strong connection to, to just a photograph that I was like, no, no, this is, this is, this is something I have to be involved in. So we came up with a, an arrangement where basically I go over 
every few months and then they, we, we kind of they swap it over they come over as well and that that's been like we've been doing that now for about you know eight and a half nine years and and it's all works brilliantly it's, as you say it's totally unconventional but you know for some reason it, it, we've, we've managed to make it work you know i've got a very good relationship with my son i certainly like to think i do uh, even though it is very unconventional uh, and and yeah so that that's pretty much you know where things are just now he's now 10 years old and uh, yeah, I'm going over in, in November pretty soon. And, and yeah, we have a, a really good relationship. So uh, like you say, it's not the, the conventional approach to fatherhood, but for some reason, it, it still just seems to work pretty well. I could really thank you for sharing that. And I could really feel the emotion when you said about the photo, like ooh, that connect, mm. connection. It's almost like a heart to heart. You can feel the strings like I could feel my heart like being pulled forward because I know what it the connection feels like between a mum and a child but obviously I don't with I'm not a dad so mm. what did that feel you know I, I hear so many stories um I say so many not too many about mums who have been left you know but the dad has walked out and I know it works both ways um but I work with mums so I, I I hear a lot of those stories where the dad has left and sometimes during pregnancy, sometimes like after birth, maybe later on, but I'm talking about in the early years. And I've seen the kind of the effects that the catastrophic kind of effects that that person is dealt, left with. But what I find really hard to understand is that bond, how you can walk away. So I'm just really interesting you described it beautifully like you saw you and in, in that little boy but what was that feeling did it all suddenly become clear like you knew exactly what you needed to do I don't think I knew exactly what, what what I needed to do I think the decision was definitely made I wasn't really quite sure how all of that was going to going to pan out and I was I was still very very nervous about it because yeah. You know, I, he's my first son, so he's my first kid. So I didn't really kind of know how to be a father. I didn't know what, what that was supposed to be like. I had no, like, picture inside my mind of how that was going to work out. I guess we talked about improvisation earlier on. It was definitely, I was definitely improvising from there. But I just, I just knew that, you know, I think I had to be involved and we would do everything we could to, to make it work, you know, from from his perspective. You know, it wasn't about egos. It wasn't about people getting their, their fair share or anything like that. It was about just just making it work for, for him. Uh, but no, you're right. I think the, the feeling is it's a, it's a very, very weird thing to describe to people because, I mean, if, if you've got kids, you, you'll, you'll know that. But it's just like to, to even describe that feeling of connection probably doesn't do the feeling justice if you know what I mean it's like because you, you're you're literally seeing your 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 DNA you're seeing your your genes right in front of you so it's something that does touch you very very deeply so I think yeah so I didn't really have a conscious plan I just I was just taking it uh, one visit at a time and uh, we would see where it went from there but you know I was I was completely certain in that moment that I had to be part of his life and and it was a very powerful feeling that, that's quite difficult quite difficult to describe I think yeah and who was there for you did you feel on your own like where did you turn in terms of did you have any kind of role models that you looked towards or were you dealing with this very much on your own because I'm also just thinking about might not be this situation but um, in terms of paternal mental health I know there's a big issue there 
um, in terms of dads not feeling that they have anywhere to turn or anyone to talk to with whatever challenges that might be. So I just wondered, did you feel quite isolated or did you feel quite, you know, certain you could navigate it because of your previous self-awareness and personal development journey or did you turn somewhere yeah, no, I think I think it was a combination of all of those things you described there. I think uh, doing doing what I do, I think it did help me be a bit more self-aware. <clears throat> it did help me deal with the the kind of uh, uh, it, it, yeah the kind of mind confusion around about it, uh, but I also did feel like I had to speak to someone as well. So so I spoke to a couple of people, uh, one of my best mates uh, who I've known for for about uh, 25 years. In fact, sorry, longer than that, actually. And uh, to be honest, uh, his advice wasn't the best. He just basically went, I just go and see, it. it'll be all right. You know, it was it was typical. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to basically generalize all men here, but it was typical bloke advice. Just get on with it. You'll be fine. Things will work out in the end. And I also spoke to, to a female friend of mine and she was fantastic. She really helped me see it from, from a different perspective. And because uh, at the time as well, I hadn't actually told my parents uh, about about Sasha. So I had actually gone over and seen him once um, and I hadn't actually told my mum and dad that he even existed. So he was close to being two and they didn't even know they didn't even know he was he was there. So so I was concerned about that, you know, because I hadn't told my parents, I was worried about, you know, telling them and I was worried about the reaction because I hadn't told them. So there was a lot of things going on inside my mind. And uh, my female friend, she said to me, she said, look, you know, a child is always good news. And I thought that was a, was a really, really nice way of putting it. You know, sometimes we kind of freak out about it a little bit. But really, when you get down to, you know, it's uh, uh, telling someone that you've got a child is always going to be good news, especially to especially to grandparents. Um, so I think that just helped me kind of look at it from a different perspective. She, she also said, look, if you what would it be like if you, if you waited till he was 16 and all of a sudden he arrived on your door? What would that be like? And, and I think that. I think that also helped me make the decision uh, too, you know, that I really wanted to, to go for this. So, yeah, so I, so I did a, a reasonable amount of self-awareness, I like to think I do, but but certainly speaking to people was 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 healthy as well, uh, some more than others, <laughs> but, but it certainly helped me kind of just get my head around it and just give me that slightly different perspective on the situation. Yeah, great. And I love that a child is always good news. That mm. is lovely. Um, so I'm interested with the kind of two-year gap of speaking to your parents and kind of what was going on for you there, like in terms of stalling that. Um, and then kind of, you know, establishing parental roles against the norm. You know, maybe that you are navigating your path differently to how your parents did or what were your kind of concerns or fears there and, yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, but looking back, I think I was in full procrastination mode. You know how sometimes when we attach too much fear or too much stress to something, we kind of just like, ah, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it later, I'll deal with it next week, and then I'll deal with it next month. And then all of a sudden, you know, Sasha was coming over, like literally in like three weeks, and I still, had, I still hadn't told my parents. This was going to be the first time he was coming over to Scotland. So I was really pushed up to that point where, I have to tell them now because he's he's coming over pretty soon, so that they're going to actually see him. So I think I think I'm not quite sure what I was scared of. I think 
at the time, I was very much a kind of like single guy who just did his own thing, you know, had my own kind of life. I was I was quite set in my own ways in terms of my own sort of lifestyle, I think. So I think it was just, it was such a different experience for me. I think that was the thing that was freaking me out slightly. And I hadn't really spoke to my mum and dad about things like that before as well. So it just, it just felt like a really awkward conversation. But the thing is, it was so much more awkward inside my mind than the reality of it, because they were absolutely blown away by it. It took them a bit of time to get used to it, but you know, very, very quickly, they were just like, wow, this is, this is fantastic, because it's, it's their only grandchild currently. So it's such a, such a big thing for, for grandparents, as I found out. Um, just to kind of add to it as well, so my sister lives in Australia, so she's lived there for around about 15 years, I think, and maybe longer. So, so I don't get to see her too often, but she was over at the time when I told my parents to, so that was a, an extra kind of, there was an extra edge to it. I was telling the whole family. <laughs> so I remember her response was, she just turned around and went, so you're telling me I'm an auntie? <laughs> and it was just a, it was just a kind of funny, funny little moment. So, so yeah, so I think it was, I had built it up so much inside my mind that it was going to be this, this horrible conversation, but it was nothing like that. It was totally fine. They, they, they obviously wanted to make sure that I was okay with the situation because it was a bit of a weird one. But at the end of the day, as we said, you know, a child is always good news. And uh, very, very quickly, they were, they were absolutely blown away by, by the news. Amazing. And um, yeah, you're right. Often we do build these conversations up in our head to be so much more worse. And I say there's so many conversations that I'll have in my mind that will never leave my mind. Like they'll never see the light of day. But it's so interesting because it almost pushes you to expand as a person to have these conversations that seem a little bit harder and complex Steve I've never had this conversation before with someone who had a child and then didn't tell you know this is new and I just find it curiosity comes to mind for me like I find it really interesting but I think courage as well and trusting yourself and you're absolutely right being able to put yourself in their shoes and see it through their eyes that this is the first time that they've got a grandchild and I think that's quite a mature kind of perspective to be able to do because sometimes we get stuck in our situation but being able to see it through other people's and give them the benefit of the doubt as well like I find that so I just find it so so interesting Mm. and then were there any kind of in terms of moving forward then and establishing parental roles kind of against the norm, were there any things that are really important to you? Were there any patterns that you wanted to create, like healthy patterns of parenting that maybe were different to how you were raised or were there kind of commonalities from your upbringing that you saw in your own parenting? Yeah, I think a bit of both. There were some commonalities, but I also wanted to do it in my own way as well. And I think for me, I, I always wanted to, <clears throat> I didn't really know in the beginning, but but now that we've, we've formed a, a pretty good relationship, because as well, at the time, he couldn't speak English. So when I was with him, I, we had to find a way to communicate in sort of pidgin English. And like, it was very, very difficult. But now he's, his English is fantastic. So we can actually communicate and we can form a relationship. But so I think, so it is something that's definitely evolved over the years. 
But I think for me, it's very much about establishing that friendly relationship, but not so friendly that I don't have authority. I think I have a bit of a thing. I don't particularly like sort of that kind of role where you are the kind of dominant, you know, um, authority figure uh, as a parent and the kids will conform, the kids will do what you're told. I'm not a huge fan on that kind of dominant, submissive type relationship. So no, I didn't have that as a kid, but but I just I just don't really like it. So I think for me, I wanted to... I wanted him to, to respect me, to see me as an authority figure, but still to see me as a friend. And I think uh, I'm in a unique position to be able to create that relationship as well, because I'm not with him on a day-to-day -day basis. I, I totally appreciate, you know, if you're, if you're raising a kid on a daily basis, then you have to establish more authority. Obviously, you, or they'll start to misbehave and you've got to get them to, 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 to obviously to behave as, as kids. But I guess because I'm only seeing him now and again, a lot of that has been taken care of. So I can create a slightly different type of relationship. So still from a place of authority, still from a place of respect, but I really wanted to create that relationship where we were on a level with each other, we're friends, we can have a good time together, while at the same time he still respects me. So I think I think that's really important because um, I just I want to be his friend as well. I like to see him as a as a young adult, even though he's only he's only ten, and uh, and yeah, I, I think it's going that way. Certainly, that seems to be the way it's way it's evolving, and uh, yeah, so I can enjoy him not just as a as a as a child, but also as a as an emerging adult. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's interesting, something that I spoke to Fiona, who's a parenting coach, I'm actually working with her, um, Dan and I, last week, as we talked about this kind of power with, so it's not power over or power under, but it's power with. And I really love that, because it is that your child will come to you no matter what, but there's respectful boundaries there as well, you know, to keep them safe, boundaries equals safety. Um, to children so I really I really love that and um, it's quite a balance to strike <laughs> well you know honestly I have so much respect for for uh, obviously for parents who are are going down a slightly more conventional route where they are raising the kids on a daily basis it's, it's much easier for me to be able to come in and be the cool dad <laughs> because you know I don't have to lay down the ground rules every single day now, obviously, don't want to have no rules so that he just kind of goes off the rails and he's behaving badly by the time I hand him back to his, his mum and his stepdad. So it is about about kind of finding finding that balance, isn't it? Um, I just find I think sometimes if you're if you're leaning down the law a little bit too much and you're being too much of the the kind of the authority figure, it does stifle a kid's creativity, doesn't it? You know, and I really want uh, Sasha to be to be his own person. I want him to be independent, which he definitely is. He's got a very strong personality, and I want him to to be creative, and I want him to be able to make his own his own decisions. And I think if I'm always the the big authority dad that's telling him what to do, and you know, um, do as I say, you know, and the, then I think I'm going to stifle that, and I would I would never want to do that because I want him to to really form his own personality and become become his own independent person. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like I was, I was in a soft play yesterday. Because <laughs> as, as you do, as you do, is not my favorite place. But I, I was thinking about this as you do. I'm the mum that does not mind if Bonnie goes up the slide the wrong way. Right? I think it's creative. I think it's good for strength. Um, and it's going against the tide. You know, she's using her initiative. 
But obviously, when it comes to safety, I would step in. So safety and going up the slide the wrong way are two separate things for, <laughs> for me. If I can see that something someone's going to get hurt or, you know, there we go. And I will empower her to look out for that. But I think sometimes we follow rules that have been imprinted early on. Like I see this culture of people pleasing, perfectionist kind of parents that did desperately not wanting to get it wrong like it's coming from such a good place they want to do it right but it's almost fear about following your intuition and what feels right for you and your child and doing motherhood and parenthood your way opposed to doing what you think you should out of fear of what will people think oh my god my child's going up the slide or that's just a small example but you can apply that to lots of different areas of parenting that you see almost this inherited values and traits and beliefs being played out but the way I see it is we're living in a very different world to how our parents the world where our parents raised us what are your kind of thoughts on that and these kind of generational patterns and you know parenting in this day and age mm, no it's a really really good question i love the example of i've just got a picture of bonnie just climbing up the slide the wrong way and the attendants shouting at her and stuff and you saying you know shut up it's fine she's just being creative i, I, I really love that um yet yeah, no it, it is interesting isn't it i think um we can often i guess as parents because you care so much for your kids and you and you care for their safety, you can sometimes, I guess, attempt to solve uh, the, the problem of them potentially being unsafe by introducing another problem, by maybe being a little bit overbearing, by maybe not allowing them the, the free space to do their own thing. Um, I don't know if you've seen, there's a great TV programme called Black Mirror. I don't know if you've seen it before. It's, it's, it's absolutely, you've got to check it out. It's absolutely fantastic. But there's a, an, a it's a kind of like a sort of a, um, set in the near future uh, and he kind of plays on sort of modern trends and takes them to the extreme but there's an episode where basically the, they've invented some sort of machine that censors bad situations so they basically give them to kids so the kids have to wear these sort of like they're like kind of glasses so anytime they see something bad like for example someone falls and breaks their legs or someone swears or something someone does something that's not, not very good then the, the glasses actually censors out those bad things and what happens is eventually the glasses break and all of a sudden the kids you know, don't know how to cope because they've never actually been subjected to adverse conditions. They've never been subjected to things that are maybe not quite ideal. And I, so I think I think it is, it is important that we that kids are kind of allowed the freedom to make mistakes and obviously within boundaries you've got to make sure that they're safe. But I think sometimes if we do kind of wrap them up in cotton wool a little bit, then we end up kind of doing them a disservice we end up robbing them of that of that freedom so i really love that you let that you let bonnie safely of course uh just do all the wrong things on the slides i think that's fantastic um but yeah no i think uh, i think we are living in different times aren't we you know the way that we are raised or we were raised is very different to how we now raise our kids there's a really interesting study about fear i don't know if you've heard of it annie where they, they actually did the study over about, I think it was over about 25 to 30 years, and they were measuring the, the circumference that they allow, that parents allow their kids mm -hmm. to go and play around about their, their, their house, their, their home environment. 
And what they've found is over the last 25 to 30 years, that circumference or that radius has shrunk down significantly. So basically, parents nowadays don't let their kids go out and roam the streets like you know we used to do. Uh, it's a they keep them very, very close. But the other interesting thing is, we're actually living in a lot less dangerous a time right now than what we were, you know, back then. You know, crime rates are down significantly in comparison to 25, 30 years ago. So we're actually much more safe just now, but we still keep our kids sort of uh, much, much closer than what we used to. And I think it is things like social media, isn't it? And, you know, we, we see a lot of, you know, horrible things out there and things like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram can spread those ideas like wildfire. So we tend to be a little bit more fearful for, for our kids' safety. So, yeah, so there's so many other challenges now, isn't there? And I think yeah. uh, it's, you know, how do we deal with those challenges um, but yeah, no, so I, th I think we are, as you say, we're, we're living in a very, very different time. So I think it's, um, we probably don't want to judge ourselves on, on how your parents brought ourselves up. Yeah, no, 100%. It's just getting that perspective and understanding that things are very different. Like, I think we're the last of the breed of people who had five channels on TV into <laughs> like the Android realm. You know, our kids will never know that world. And we've lived in both, like bring back the 90s, I say, <laughs> especially for the music. Um, yeah, amazing. And I'd like to just find out about your values and beliefs around parenting and what you've kind of learned, what fatherhood has taught you about yourself. Ooh, that's a, that's a very deep question, that one. Uh, what has it taught me about myself? I, I think it's probably one of... It's probably changed me more than anything else. You know, when I think back to kind of pre-Sasha days or even in the early days, I wouldn't say I was selfish. Um, maybe that's a little bit of a harsh assessment, but I was I was definitely very independent and I liked to kind of live my own life and had a very much definite plan about how things were, were gonna, gonna work out. And then obviously Sasha came along, it was totally unplanned. But it's still, you know, one of, if not the most amazing things that's ever happened to me. So I think, I think just appreciating for me that often we we kind of sit there and we plan our life out and how we'd like it to, to turn out. And then a, a curveball can be thrown in, but that curveball can actually end up being much, much more powerful, much more meaningful than anything that we'd actually planned. So I think that was a big learning for me that you know, just to, to kind of like not necessarily try to kind of map out your life to, to the nth degree, which is kind of like what I was doing. But actually, the unexpected surprises can often be the very best things that you experience. So I think that was a very, very big learning for me. And I just think it, it really helped me just become a bit more mature. And I don't mean mature in a, in a serious way, but just, just appreciate that there is more than just you out there. Yeah. You know, that when, when you do have kids, you, 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 are actually, you are actually leaving your legacy. You know, it's your genetic legacy, your your personality. You're, you're actually you're putting a bit of you out into the world, uh, and I, I found that just tremendously, tremendously powerful. And um, I think in terms of values, I think I really what what I really want for Sasha is that he he, he is his own person, and I think that he's definitely heading towards that. He's he's very independent. He's uh, he's he's got a strong personality, which can be a little bit challenging. I think you you mentioned Bonnie is a little bit similar. I think I think that's absolutely fantastic. Because the world can be quite a harsh place. The world is, is challenging and we are going to be facing, you know, many more challenges as, as we move forward. So I think it's, it's good that he has a bit about him. It's good yeah. that he, he has that, that strong personality so he can, he can deal with those. And I think I'd, I just, I'd love him to just live his own life 
even if that life is very different to how I live my life. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to, you know, basically say to him, you should be just like me. You know, I think I, I want him to be his own person and I want him to, to go off and, and find himself and, and find his own place in the world and put his own stamp in it. I think that's very, very important, however he decides to do that. I think also, and this is more kind of my own value set here, is, is I would like him to value people as well. I think there are some people out there that don't value people that much, I think, and I'm not being judgmental, it's just the way things are. But I would like him to care for people and, and value people because that is a kind of fundamental aspect of everything that I do. So I think if I was to pass on something, I think that would definitely be it. And again, I've seen him around, you know, friends and stuff like that. And I can see how that is that is developing. So, yeah, I think as long as he's independent, as long as he's, 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 he's been his own person, I think that's fantastic. And it's very interesting seeing the slightly different um, upbringing as well because he's, he's being brought up in, in Holland and they do have a slightly different approach to parenting uh, than we do in, in the UK. They are a bit more about treating kids as, as young adults. They involve them in decision-making processes. Um, and, uh, and they do give them a bit more independence, I think, than, than, than we do in the UK. So I think that's also helping as well. So I think, yeah, I think those are the things that are really important to me. And just above all, that he's happy. You know, he can go out there and live his own life and, and you know, have a blast doing it. Uh, and just, just being his own person. And do you know what, just, you know, your your respect for people and belief in people, like I see that from doing the training with you. And, you know, if, if anyone does go on to do the NLP practitioner training, which I highly recommend, they will see that, Steve, that you have, you've got like this gift to be able to kind of listen really well, I think, or actively and like see people's kind of magic and bring it out of them and you're you're genuinely interested and I know that like making a difference is really important to you and I can see that you're modeling that you know to him he will be picking up on that and I think that that is amazing um and it's interesting just made me think because it was the quote that you shared um about Mike Tyson it's all very well having a plan until you get punched in the face <laughs> and I think we do try and overly plan sometimes we feel that as parents we have to have everything worked out and we're the responsible serious adults but sometimes we strangle the life out of the magic and the creativity and I think being able to be flexible and move with life's curveballs and kind of adapt with them and grow with them um um, whether that's conventional or unconventional is is where the magic lies and there's something and Bonnie would love to live in Amsterdam because she loves being treated like an adult if I she like thinks she is an adult um, <laughs> I know that when we did the modeling project we had to model someone that possessed a quality or a skill didn't we that we would like such a powerful thing to do big part of NLP as well and my first thought was Bonnie because she gets what the fuck she wants. <laughs> How to get what you want by Bonnie Breen, the Bob model. Um, so I might still do that, but actually the process of interviewing her didn't work. So <laughs> I'd love just to know because um, on the master practitioner course with, with the NLP, you actually led me through a technique that has been life-changing and I'll never forget this and I think it's so so powerful and we I, I think it would be nice just to touch on it for people to understand that these 
techniques and opportunities and experiences exist because it's not necessary if you're thinking about conventional mental health or you know emotional kind of support sitting in a room with a therapist we know it's not like that so I'd like to just touch on parental timeline re-imprinting because you love this technique don't you Steve like you it's it's fantastic yeah really really powerful I think um so basically it kind of works on the the idea that the problems that we have or the limitations we experience as a, as a human being don't actually start with us they, they usually start with what we often refer to as your significant other or your significant others so that would usually be the, the people who raised you so most of the time that would be mummy and daddy it's that that time when you suddenly realize that you're just like your mum or just like your dad or a combination of both with a load of other stuff just thrown in and it kind of makes sense because when you're really young you know we, we tend to kind of look outwards to to, to see who's there and maybe model people to to, to cultivate our own personality so we tend to, to model our parents because they're around us all the time they're, they're our guardians and we obviously share you know a dna we share the, the our, our genes with them our genetic makeup so a lot of the issues that we face and a lot of the challenges we have tend to get passed down and i don't mean genetically i mean more from an idea perspective you know just by being around our, our parents we just intuitively absorb you know, a lot of good stuff from them, but we also intuitively absorb things that limit us. And it is a mixed bag. It doesn't matter, you know, how good a parent you are. Uh, you're always going to transmit, you know, some some stuff that's good, but also some stuff that, that's maybe limiting. And it's all very subjective, of course. Um, so the, the, the technique parental timeline re-imprinting involves kind of going back and almost like doing therapy with yourself, but also doing therapy with your parents inside your mind. It sounds a bit wacky, but it's a lot more functional than, than maybe how I'm describing it and it helps you kind of almost like add in some of the missing pieces the things that you you think could have been added that would have made your your upbringing a little bit better um, and it's a, it's a tremendously powerful technique it really does help you kind of dig deep into your psychology and nourish yourself at such a such an incredibly deep level um, and this is actually one of the concerns i had with sasha as well because one of the things i've noticed from, from doing that technique but also doing doing what i do with with nlp is that often you know people can get in, in in trouble when there is a missing role model in their life. So say for example, if they're only raised by their mum or they're only raised by their dad, and they don't have either a male or, or, or female role model in their life. Um, and I don't mean male or female gender-wise, it's more of a kind of a masculine versus feminine energy. Uh, that could obviously be a same-sex couple, if you like, as well. But generally, if, if, there's, if there's a piece missing, then a lot of the time the kids can grow up with some, some difficulties. It's kind of like their, their map that they use to navigate the world has a, has a fundamental missing piece. There's a, there's a blank spot in it. So, and you see this a lot with men in particular in significance issues. If, 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 a, if a kid, if a, if a boy has been raised without a dad, then a lot of the time they can have some, some, some weird versions of masculinity because they don't, they don't know how to be a man. So they can end up, you know, you know, with quite big significant issues and significance issues and various different other things. So that was always in the back of my mind with Sasha as well. So I kind of like, I don't want to be responsible for, for someone's like major hang ups later on later on in life uh, and he now actually has a stepdad so i think that's absolutely fantastic so he now has two 
male role models. He has uh, Joachim, who's his stepdad, and he has me, of course, as well. So, so yeah, so, so it's a very, very powerful technique. I've slightly digressed here, but, and it's like, and it really helps you kind of get into the heart of the matter and address some of the fundamental missing pieces that maybe led you uh, to, to, to getting into problems in the first place. And I know, I think you describe it as the gift that keeps on giving, Annie, don't you? I think when I took you through the technique, it made a difference, but yeah. then, you know, you felt an even bigger difference in the, the days, weeks and months after it. Hundred percent, and it's also just speaking to those who, where there might be transgenerational trauma or trauma that didn't start with them. Um, I know that it can be quite complicated that you go on this kind of self-discovery journey and do all the inner work and the self-work, but then the big test is within relationships. And I think that for those who might have experienced trauma, parents that have been through real hardships and trauma who might still be suffering and they haven't, you know, had the opportunity to go on this journey. How do you then have a relationship with those people that works? And I think what it did for me is it it gave me a whole lot of understanding and compassion to be able to then, like you say, Steve, you can't change the past, but you can change your relationship with it. And I think just understanding it and seeing it from a new perspective and um, that it didn't start with you. And just as pain that is not transformed is transmitted. So is healing. Healing can be passed down. And it is that kind of gift that allows you to have a new type of relationship. And it might not be going back, sorry, it might not be going back to that mother-daughter or father-daughter, whatever it is, child relationship, child-parent. It's moving forward as adults, and that is liberating. Definitely. I think it was uh, Carol Jung uh, said that the first 50 years of your life belong to your parents, then the next 50 years, it's over to you. And I think that that technique, parental timeline reimprinting, is a way of being able to, to get to that point without necessarily having to wait until you're, you're 50 years old. The story I always like to tell is that, so I have a, a, a relationship with my dad that's quite competitive, especially when it comes, my dad is super competitive, and that's definitely one of the things I've inherited from him uh, intuitively as a kid. I quite like that. I like that that competitiveness. It's really um, served me well for for most of my life and uh, so quite a few years ago my dad so my dad's a very good runner so he's now 71 72 71 I forget he's, he's getting pretty old so I forget I start to run out of uh, I start to forget what age he is but I think he's 71 and uh, he's, he's still running like you know 30 40 miles a week it's, it's quite incredible and about five years ago we both entered into uh, a 10k race uh, in a place called Grangemouth which is very close to where I live and when we were running together, so my dad, there was a lot of mind games going on. My dad obviously wanted to beat him. I was very determined to beat, to beat him as well. And when we started off, my dad like, went off like a shot. You know, he went off really, really quickly in the race. So I was quite a bit behind him. But then around about kind of like maybe about the third or the fourth K, I noticed I was starting to catch up with him. And then eventually when I hit about four or five K, you know, I'd caught right up with him. So I just tucked in behind him and decided to use him as a bit of a windbreaker. And uh, and as we were kind of running along and I basically just hid behind him for, for the rest of the race until the very last hundred meters. And then I felt like I had something left in the tank. So I just kind of like moved out behind him and sprinted, you know, past him for the hundred, the last hundred meters and I ended up beating him. And honestly, he's, he's never really forgiven me for that. He was, <laughs> he was absolutely raging because I used him as a windbreaker for the entire race. 
But for me, there's something symbolic in that. It's a, it's a really nice metaphor that you kind of follow your parents for a certain period of time, but then eventually you have to kind of come out of their slipstream and then it's, it's up to you. And I think for me, that's such a profound learning. And when you do that, you can then start to have a better relationship with your parents as, as adults. You're no longer just the child. You're no longer just the son or the, or the daughter. You know, you're actually seeing them as, as, as equals because you're now, you know, living your life the way that you want to live it. Um, so, yeah, so I think I, I love it when you, the way that you described that there, it allows you to form a new relationship with your own parents, which I think is really nice because I think that's a really nice, uh, big side benefit from doing, doing the process. Amazing. And I love that. Yeah. What a powerful metaphor. Um, and your poor dad. <laughs> Just let he, him he, win. He can, he can he can deal with it. No, if, if I let him win, he would be even more raging. He, he wouldn't want me to do that. He wants to he yeah. wants to, to, to compete fair and square, which is a, is a good testament to him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what a quality you've inherited. There we go. You're actually playing it out. So I just have two more questions that I'd love sure. to ask you, if that's all right, if you have the time. This podcast is called Behind the Mother Mask. And I'd really love to know, is there a mask that maybe you used to wear in the past to perform? And what what was it? And can you still wear that mask from time to time? Like, how do you come back to yourself and recenter with your values? Good question. Yeah, I think definitely the mask that, that I was very familiar with growing up and this carried over, I would say, almost like into my kind of late 30s was the mask of perfection, of, of having to conform. I think as well, because I felt quite different from a, from a young age as a teenager, I didn't really kind of like, I never really gravitated towards the kind of traditional ways of living life, if, if I'm being honest. So, so I kind of in order to survive, because obviously if you're a teenager and you're in your early 20s, especially if you're a teenager, you know, if you don't conform to the social norms, you're kind of seen as a little bit of a weirdo. So, and you are sort of pushed to the outer edges of, of the social circle, which is not, it's not pleasant for anyone. As human beings, we all need to be accepted to a certain degree. So for me, the mask that I put on was definitely the kind of like, almost like the, uh, the mask of perfection, but more sort of like changing who I was to fit the people around about me. And I think we we kind of all have to do that to a certain extent. So it was kind of like the, the social chameleon mask, I think is probably the best way to describe it. And I think it was because I felt a little bit different. I felt like I had to put that mask on. And if I didn't, then people would judge me and I would be deemed to be not good enough and I wouldn't be accepted within the group. And I think that mask is fine when you're a teenager. I think we, we kind of need that as a survival mechanism. But I think as an adult, you know, we, we don't really need that that much anymore from, from time to time, of course. So, but I think that carried over into like my 20s and, and 30s. And I think it's definitely one of the benefits of getting older. That I think you just reach a point where you just suddenly get so tired of doing that. And you're like, you know what? I'm just going to let the world see who I am and see how it is. And actually, when I started doing that, I found that it was much better. <laughs> it was way, way better. You know, there was so many benefits, you know, attached to it. You know, I felt so much relaxed about myself. Um, I felt like I didn't have to try quite as hard. I was definitely trying far, far too hard. And also people actually end up, ended up liking me more, which was kind of weird because I thought it would be the opposite. The whole psychology behind that social chameleon mask is to get people to like you. Mm -hmm. But actually, you know, people sense that, that fakery 
I don't know if fakery is a word it is now if it is, but I think people sense that that you're not being entirely authentic. So, so I think uh, just letting go of that was was great. People find you more attractive. They they, they like you more. They they accept you for who you are. Uh, because I think deep down we all know that you know we, we, all, we are all a bit flawed and a bit different as human beings. So I think people are much more comfortable if if you like that. So I think that it's definitely been a kind of gradual um, shedding of that mask. There was no one big experience, but it's been kind of more of a more of a drip feed. But I definitely feel so much more comfortable as, as a result of it. Every now and again, I have to bring out the social chameleon mask uh, just, just as a kind of emergency measure. If I'm maybe around you know, a group of people and I don't quite know how to act, then I'll maybe just kind of do it a little bit. But by and large, very much kind of very freeing just to kind of get out there and let the world see who you are. And, um, and it's not so much about not caring what people think. It's more about not worrying about what they think. I still care yes. what people think, yeah. but I just don't worry about it anymore. And I'm much more comfortable just letting the world see who I am, which I think has been a an amazing, you know, transformation over the years. I think it's probably been one of the the most important learnings of uh, of getting older. There's not that many great things about getting older, but that's definitely one of them that you can be much more comfortable being who you are. I absolutely love that, and I think you being yourself, me being myself, it gives others permission to be themselves that it is okay. And I think that mask is almost like a cloud that clouds your light. Um, So it's letting that shine. And yeah, I absolutely love that. And I think it's such a valuable lesson, like certainly one that I would give my younger self. Um, (laughs) But maybe (laughs) the world wasn't ready for me to be me then. (laughs) So I'd love to just finish up on, we've talked about parenting the unconventional way. And I really do hope that some dads listen to this. Steve, I think they will benefit so much because they tend to suffer in silence, if not more than mums, because of the stigma. So I really hope that they do pass it on to your husbands. But I'd like you just to leave us with three biggest kind of learnings to share with parents that are doing it the unconventional way, or even, you know, speaking to the dads. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So I think I think first and foremost, leave your ego at the door. You know, especially if you if you're, I think especially if you are separated uh, and uh, so the kid. Yeah, so if you if you're not together if you're not together with the, the mother of your child or children, I think uh, I think it's really really important to leave your ego at the door and, and recognize that the whole thing is not about you. It's about the kids. You know, and I think it's just it's just so important. Very, 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 I'm very, very lucky that, that Laura or Laura, um, uh, Sasha's mum, has been absolutely fantastic. She's She's been such an amazing role model for Sasha, but she's also managed the situation amazingly. I mean, it's just absolutely, it's been stellar. Um, and you were both, you know, basically been singing from the same hymn sheet where it's, it's whatever we can do to make sure that, 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 that Sasha gets the support that he needs and, and I'm involved and there's no there's no arguments. There's, there's never been any sort of harsh words between the two of us, uh, none at all. Everything's been very agreeable and we've both managed to keep our own distance and just look at it from a very objective viewpoint and, and said, okay, what, what's the best thing that we can do here for, for Sasha? So I think leave your ego at the door. I've heard so many horrible stories. Some of my friends who have separated and they end up fighting with their exes and, and they start to try and score points over each other. And the only person that's really losing there, in fact, everybody's losing, but the main person that's losing is the kids. Mm-hmm. So, and I think the reason why that happens is is, is, is ego, because you want to 
and I understand why it happens, but it's so I think just leave your ego at the door, especially if it's if you're a, if you're in a, a relationship where you're separate separated from 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 the mother or, or from the father. Um, I think also how you frame the situation is really important. Again, to, to give uh, Laura, you know, a massive credit, um, the way that she framed it with Sasha and continues to frame it has just been absolutely brilliant. You know, kids. Kids, as we know, kids accept the realities that you offer them. So it's very, very important that you're responsible with the realities that you present to them. And, you know, she's always, from, from, from day one, she's always said to Sasha, there are different types of dads. You know, it's like there are dads who are at home, there are dads who are not at home that you only see from time to time. Sometimes there's two dads. You know, it's just different types of dads. There's no right and wrong. And I love the way that she framed that. Um, and, and now that, you know, we've got uh, Yochami, stepdad, and, and obviously me, then, you know, she now frames it, you know, you're lucky. You have two dads. You have a, a Dutch dad, but you also have a Scottish dad. How, how amazing is that? And she just frames it in a very, very positive way. And, and I think it's because of that that, the, that it's, been, it's been much, much easier. Sasha's just accepted it. He asks some weird questions every now and again. But because she's been really consistent with that message from a young age, then he's, he's really accepted that reality and he's just, he's just went with it and he's just been, been so flexible. So I think how you frame it, crucially important. I think it's probably one of the most important things. And I think just, just don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed that you're doing things differently. You know, I think just because you're going against the norm doesn't mean it's wrong. You know, it's like in, in some of the, the more unconventional ways can actually end up being more effective than the conventional ones, in my experience. So so I think definitely don't don't be ashamed of it. And some people might judge you, definitely, but that's that's their issue. At the end of the day, go by your heart, go by what you think is is right for your kids. Um, as long as your intentions are good and you're, you're doing your best to, to really support them and help them, that, that's the thing that, that's most important. You know, don't feel like you just have to conform because, because people are telling you that's the way it should be. There's a really interesting story actually about a basketball player. We're doing a bit of a, bit of a, um, a transition here, but a basketball player called uh, Wilt Chamberlain uh, in the 1960s. And basically he had the... He had the record, he still has the record for the best free throw shot ratio. That's not easy to say um, in basketball. So basically a free throw is where you get fouled and you get a free chance to score a basket from around about, I think it's about 20 yards. And the reason why he was so amazing at, at this free shot uh, throw was because he threw it under arm. So that is in basketball referred to as a granny shot because it's what your granny used to do. No one does it. The professionals don't do it. The amateurs don't do it. No one does it. It's just it's, it's, the kids don't even do it. So he had there was massive pressure placed on him from from like different sectors of the the media and you know sports psychologists and uh, and all sorts of things saying you shouldn't be doing this granny shot. You should be doing it the conventional way, which is sort of you know overhand. And, uh, and eventually he succumbed to that peer pressure. Uh, and during one close season, he totally changed his technique. He went to the way that everybody else was doing it. And I don't know if you can guess what happened. His success rate totally plummeted because he was going against what felt right for him. And I think this is a really nice story, a nice little metaphor for, for social conformity. Sometimes we, we feel like we have to conform because we're being judged. We feel a little bit ashamed. 
but, but, but don't, you know, if, if you do believe that your approach is really working and you're getting great feedback from your kid and it, you know it's, it's a good approach, but it's still a little bit different, then, then go for it. Stick to your guns. Don't, don't be ashamed. Um, people will judge you, but, but like I said, that's their problem. Uh, you, you, you just want to do the very best you can for, for your kids. So I think, I think that's, uh, is that three things? I think it's three things. <laughs> Maybe a yeah. lot more than three things. But yeah, so don't, don't be ashamed. And uh, if, if you believe it's right and you're seeing it working, then go with it. It's such great advice. And Steve, just hearing you talk about Laura, is it? That that is so admirable, admirable. I can't say that word. It's heartwarming. It's lovely. Mm. It's amazing. And it's really amazing to hear that and that you're a team and you're your own team. Lucky Sasha. So <laughs> just to finish up on, why do you think so many parents mask and suffer in silence? And where can we find you if people would love to follow your work or work with you? Ooh, I think people suffer in silence because of fear of being judged. Yeah. Um, I've mentioned this a few times. I think I think it's a really, really big thing. And I think it's not even just a parent thing. I think that's a human thing in general. But I think it then gets amped up quite a bit when it comes to parenting because it is such an emotionally... Um, powerful experience, you know, being a parent. So I think it, it definitely does get get ramped up. Uh, so so I think I think just appreciating that <clears throat> people will judge you. They, they will at the end of the day, and that that's that's up to them. You know that you can't really do anything about that. And if people are judging you harshly, maybe they're they're not the best person to listen to in the first place. Anyway, you know, I think if someone really really cared for you. They'd probably give you some honest feedback from a from a good place, but people who actually judge you and look down on you and don't accept you because you're doing something a little bit different, then I think I don't think these people are really worth listening to at the end of the day and really stick to your guns. So I think I think it is that fear of being judged. But I think we we do have to do our best to shed that that fear because I think it, that's where a lot of the masks come from, isn't it? You know, we, we, we fear that we're going to be uh, ostracised or we're not going to be accepted by, by our friends, by our family, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so, we, so we do put on these masks. So I think if we can go beyond that, if we can just see what's past that, that point of, of feeling like we're being judged, uh, I think there's a very liberating place there. And, uh, and it's the place where you, you are following your own path, you're following your own truth, you know, as a parent, but also as, as a human being. So I think if we can get past that, I think that's a, a really crucial thing uh, that, 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 we can, that we can do. Um, if you want to find me, then I think the best place to check out the work that I do is on the Mind School YouTube channel. So if you go onto YouTube and you just type in Mind School, you can maybe type in my, my name, Stephen Burns, if you want as well. But it should come up just with Mind School. You'll see a whole host of videos that can teach you about uh, not just NLP, but lots of cool little tips and tricks and techniques to help you run your mind more effectively and overcome some of the issues you're experiencing and just ultimately get more of the things that you, that you want from life. So I think that's the best place to check out the work that I do. Amazing. Thank you so much. This has been such a, an awesome conversation and I really appreciate you sharing your story and thank you for your time. No, thank, thank you. It's the first time I've shared it anywhere outside of family and friends. So it's actually been a very therapeutic experience as well. I've loved it. It's been great. I've loved it. I've never had this conversation with someone before, so I'm learning all the time too. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you very much for, for asking me. Take care. Wow. Thank you, Steve. That was awesome. I hope you got as much out of that conversation as I did. I know that I'm definitely going to go back and listen to it. I learned so much. 
And even if your situation isn't exactly the same as Steve's, if it is, please let me know. <laughs> I know that you will take so much from this. And what I would just say is, please, this is one to share with the dads. I think that it will help a lot of dads out there. And if it resonated, if it helped you, please let me know and leave a review. It means so much to be able to um, reach more mums and more parents. I'll be back next week, but if you need some support in the meantime, I have space on my one-to-one Energized Mother coaching program. If you are feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, and like you're just living out this legacy of unresolved depletion and trauma, please do get in touch. I would love to share my unique model with you and help you move into freedom and energy and living life more on your terms for you and your kids um please just drop me a message there's a link in the show notes and we can arrange a chat brilliant okay so i hope you have a good week and i will be back next week with another episode of behind the mother mask